everyone, let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing some of our Christmas carols this morning. Come thou long expected Jesus, and oh, come all ye faithful. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our sears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, for a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. of you in the Lord's house. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Ask God to come and meet with us. Father in heaven, we come before you claiming the promise that where there are two or more gathered, there you are in our midst. And as we gather for the very purpose of exalting your holy name, I pray that it would be you that stirs our hearts, draws us nearer to you, 
Help us to know and sense your presence as we sing praises to you, as we turn our hearts to you in prayer, as we look into your holy word, asking that you would help us to be conformed to your image. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated.
Amen. Would you please stand and together we lift up our voices as we sing, This is Amazing Grace.
face of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He declares his work is finished. He has spoken this hope to me. Though the sun has ceased its shining, though the war appeared as lost, Christ has triumphed over evil. It was finished upon that cross. Now the curse it has been broken. Jesus paid the price for me. Full the pardon he has offered. Great the welcome that I receive. I approach my Father, clothed in Jesus' righteousness. There is no more guilt to carry. It was finished upon that cross. Once my great opponent, fear once had a hold on me, but the Son who died to save us rose that we would be free indeed. Death was once my great opponent. Fear once had a hold on me, but the Son who died to save us rose that we would be free indeed. Yes, He rose that we would be free indeed. Free from every plan of darkness, free to live and free to love. Death is dead and Christ is risen. It was finished upon that cross. Onward to eternal glory, to my Savior and my God. I rejoice in Jesus' victory. It was finished upon that cross. It was finished upon that cross. It was finished upon that cross. Amen. Please be seated. Take me back to eight years old, the little church on a dead end road, with a candle flicker in one hand and dad's hand in the other. Take me back to silent night, my heart was full and the world was right, cause right now the world looks nothing like those innocent Decembers. These days, peace on earth is hard to find. And 
And I need you to remind me one more time You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the light when the world looks dark You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the hope of my heart Watch the snowflakes falling down Like a blanket on this town For a moment we can hardly see This pain this year has brought us May the sick find healing's touch May hatreds fight be one with love and may every heart make room for you The one who's come to save us Cause you're still the hope of Christmas You're still the light when the world looks dark You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the hope of my heart to pray tonight felt my family by my side and they slipped their hands inside of mine and we all talked to you and it took me back to eight years old my daddy's hand and a story told about heaven's love and a manger low and a promise that's still true you're still the hope of Christmas You're still the light when the world looks dark You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the hope of my heart You're still the hope of Christmas you're still the light when the world looks dark. You're still the hope of Christmas. You're still the hope of my heart. Amen. Last week, we met Mary. Mary did an interview for us, and um, I had told you she was a little chatty. 14 minutes long, she chatted last week. Joseph, a little less chatty. I don't know about in your family, but lots of families. The gals are a little more chatty than the men. So Joseph, this morning, he's about 10 minutes. The shepherd, he's even the less chatty. He spends most of his time out in the fields with the sheep. Next week, that's going to be about an eight-minute interview with him. But let's go ahead and bring Joseph up on the screen, and uh, we're going to hear what he has to say. It's been three months. Three very long months. 
My soon-to-be wife and her mother left town without any warning, or so much as a goodbye. Now they are finally returning after being gone for three months. They've been to see a cousin who, in her old age, is miraculously having a child. It's a big deal. I understand. Of course, Mary had to go. But now she's coming back. I'm very excited. Our, our whole village is excited. None of us can wait to see her. Them. The Bible does not record any words of Joseph. However, from the scriptures we do know this. When God asked him to do something, Joseph did it immediately and with complete faith in God. It's said that the angel foretold the birth to Elizabeth's husband in a dream. An angel. Telling your future in a dream, especially something as impossible for them as having a baby, as specific as a boy, and as detailed as the name. I heard that her husband didn't believe the angel. I decided to wait in my workshop and be productive. How amazing would it be to have a son to share my craft, give him a tiny chisel, show him how to use a piece of lava rock to smooth door frames, Watch him drag rocks to me to shape for a cornerstone. As he grows stronger, the stones will get bigger and bigger. And when I get old and my eyesight goes, I will turn my business over to him. He will take care of Mary and me in our old age. I wait and wait and wait. What's the holdup? Some neighbors went by earlier chattering, but that couldn't have been about Mary's return. She would have caused a joyous celebration. I wait until noon. I walk to Mary's house to ask her father what has happened. I'm a little frantic thinking about it. Two women traveling. The saddest man I have ever seen comes to the door. He's not surprised to see me. He just stands there. After an eternity, he motions me inside. Mary and her mother are sitting. Her mother is crying. Mary? Smiling. I sit and wait to understand, to make sense of it all. Mary's father tells me this preposterous story. Doesn't spare any details. Bottom line, Mary is three months pregnant. I can't say a word. I can hardly breathe. Then, of all things, Mary repeats the same story, almost word for word. But when she tells it, she's smiling. The most serene, contented smile you've ever seen. She's so beautiful, innocent, full of life. She finishes and looks at me with a look. She loves me. The future crashes into the present. Joseph, we have a son. His name is Jesus. She stands, clearly pregnant. Her child is not mine. 
Without a word, I stand and walk out the door. The whole village knows. Friends, neighbors watch me, pity me. They wait for me to gather them together in the twilight and admit that the child is mine. Or to ask for them to join me in stoning Mary. I review all of the laws of Moses. Was it fornication or adultery? I don't know. I don't care. I want to follow the laws in this matter as I have all of the things in my life. At the same time, I want to have mercy on Mary. No matter what has happened, I love her. I will agree with Mary's father to have an amicable, quiet divorce. The rabbi will be thrilled to have a conflict-free resolution. If I don't ask for her to be stoned to death, nobody else will either. I will move to another town and look for another wife. Finally, I nod off. Son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she has become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. An angel appears to me in a dream. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I bolt out of bed, the words of the prophet Isaiah flooding my mind. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will name him God with us. I have no fear of obeying the Lord completely and immediately. It's just before dawn. I make my way through the quiet streets of Nazareth. I'll wait outside until they wake. A light is already flickering through the cracks in the window shades. Guess they didn't sleep much last night either. Mary's father appears at the door. Haggard. It looks like he's aged 10 years overnight. He's been waiting for my knock. I ask to come in. I smile. He pokes his head out the door and looks both ways, probably looking for the angry mob he was certain would be accompanying me. I waltz right by him and into the house. It's a replay of last night. Her mother sitting in disgrace. Mary smiling. I tell them my dream. Within minutes, we agree to the next course of action. Her father and I change our marriage contract so as to be completed today. I follow the angel's instructions completely. By mid-morning, we are quietly married by the rabbi. By noon, Mary has moved into my house as my wife. Few of the self-righteous people in Nazareth are disappointed that Mary is not stoned. If Mary gets away with this, what would the other women think they can get away with? But since I don't charge Mary with adultery, nobody else will either. Words are said, glances exchanged, but the scandal goes away rather quietly, at least for a while. Gossip will increase with the size of Mary's belly. By the time of the delivery, the village will be vicious. I pray and plan and save money. If only Mary and I could somehow find a reason to leave Nazareth before our son is born. But we will not do it with an attitude of fear or with disbelief in God. That would not do him honor. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if Gabriel was to come talk to me again.
I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the only of the four Gospels that lays out for us this particular account. Each of the Gospels gives us a perspective of what's happening at the time. I often say it's kind of like standing at an intersection of four corners and something happens in that intersection. And if you ask somebody from each corner what transpired, they're going to tell you the same event from four different perspectives. That's your four Gospels. When you come to Matthew, it talks to us in verse 18 down through 25 about the very things we've seen, except Luke also gives us information that is woven into that video that you just saw. Joseph, he's betrothed to Mary. In their culture, at their time, that's a contract, a serious social religious contract. To violate it is as a divorce. Even as he mentions, to violate it in adultery, fornication, is even worthy of stoning. So for sure, at that time, when this happened, this is, this is a serious event within their culture, within their circle. So God has got to touch some hearts to speak to some people. And we know that he does that. He sends forth his angels and his angels minister to Mary, to Joseph, to Aunt Elizabeth, to the shepherds next week. But let's pick it up here in Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you verses 18 down through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, as we look into these verses, I pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts. Help us to look at the events that transpired. Help us to understand better the obedience of Joseph. And Lord, help us to draw from these truths, applicable truths for ourselves. That we too, might be fully obedient to you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Joseph, as is mentioned in our text,
is a just man. Meaning a man who follows the ways of the Lord. He is justified in his faith and his walk with God. He pursues the truths, the laws, the documents of the scriptures. And he truly tries to live them in a practical and genuine way. We see that throughout the outcome of these scriptures, throughout Luke. So where did Joseph get that? Did he get it from mom and dad? Oh, I'm sure to some degree. Did he get it from the neighborhood, the community? I'm sure to some degree also. But Joseph was raised a simple Jewish boy. Part of that culture, part of that world would require him to know the first five books of the Bible thoroughly. The rest of the Old Testament would be referred to and talked about and preached and uh, gone over at the tabernacle in their community. But here what we find is Joseph is going to be obedient, unwaveringly obedient. He is going to yield 100% to what God asks him to do through the angel. Now that's not always an easy task, is it? It's not always easy to just say, yes, Lord. It is what we should do and should always do. Let's look just briefly at where Joseph got this example of complete obedience. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews in your New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11. This chapter is often referred to as the Hall of Faith, kind of like the Hall of Fame in Ohio, but this is the Hall of Faith. And when we look at chapter 11, verses 1 down through 12, we find in this text reference after reference after reference to Old Testament individuals who were doggedly obedient to God. These would have all been the living examples given by their, his parents, his community, his rabbi. They would talk about this every day. It would be part of them working together and conversing because they're out of the scriptures that would have been a practical part of their daily life. Listen as I read to you out of Hebrews about these individuals. I'm going to pick it up and come down at verse 4. It says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place by which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. 
By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. As we look at these verses, we find individual after individual that would have been examples to Joseph of absolute obedience to God. So when that angel came and spoke to Joseph that night, Joseph would have something to draw from. Yes, his life had just been flipped completely upside down. He had gone into this betrothal with Mary with all the excitement and anticipation that any young couple would have at that time. But all of a sudden to find out she is three months pregnant and an angel tell you, listen, it's of God. It's of the Holy Ghost. Take her to be your wife. That's a tough decision to make. There's going to be, as was mentioned in the interview, social scorn. There's going to be social pressure to do what others would have done or may have done. But he is not them. He is an individual who's going to make an individual decision about obedience to God. You and I in our lives, there are things that come along our lives as well that may completely blindside us. We completely do not expect them. And in a moment, we have to make a decision. Do I obey God and do that which is right? Do I do that which is just before the Lord, even as Joseph? Or do I do what my neighbor, my coworker, my relative, do I do what other people would do? Or do I, do I obey God without condition? He may think back to Abel, as mentioned to us in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel believed God. Cain and Abel, the first children of Adam and Eve. Cain and Abel had a choice. It came time to worship God. And Cain went ahead and gathered fruits and vegetables from his gardens. And he set up an altar. And he said, that's my offering to you, to, to, that's my offering to you Lord. Abel, who had seen his parents all the way back as an example given by God when he slayed an animal to cover their sin. He'd seen his parents sacrifice animals in worship and honor to God because the scripture teach us that there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Abel had watched and learned and he was obedient. He went ahead and slayed one of his animals and he had presented it on the altar to God. And the Bible teaches us that God was pleased and accepted Abel's offering. But he was displeased with Cain's because Cain knew that that was not a proper offering to God. Cain got angry. God said, why are you angry? It's not as if you didn't know. So Joseph that night, when that angel came, did he take a moment and think, what would Abel do? Abel would have simply obeyed. 
He would have done that which was righteous, that which was just. He would have done that which would honor God. Maybe Joseph took a moment and thought about Enoch. Enoch, that priest, that priest who was known to please God. When I read to you in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 11, it talked about the fact that that was his testimony, simply that he pleased God. When you go back into Genesis and it talks about Enoch, it says in Genesis chapter 5 verses 21 down through 24 that he walked with God. So maybe Joseph that night thought about Enoch, somebody who walked with God, who pleased God. Joseph was a young man who truly desired to walk with God and please God. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. You see, God still desires to abide with us, to walk with us, to fellowship with us, to dwell within us. So Joseph that night, when that angel came and in the night said to him, Joseph, take Mary to be your wife. The child she has is of the Holy Ghost. Did he take a moment and think about Enoch? One who walked with God and pleased God. And did he say, that's who I want to be? I want to be even as Enoch. When I took you to Hebrews 11, that hall of faith, it talked about Noah. Noah is so much parallel to Joseph's circumstances. Because Noah is asked to believe something that's unbelievable. Because God came to Noah and said to him, Noah... I am going to send rain. Well, the Bible teaches us there had been no rain. That the earth was watered by dew, by mist. So God says, I'm going to do something that you have never seen. And I need you to build a boat because I'm going to create something that you've never seen also called a flood. Because you don't get floods from mist, from fog, from dew. You get floods from rain. So he says to Noah, he says, Noah, I'm going to send rain that you've never seen. And that rain is going to cause a flood that you've never seen. And I need you to build a ship like you've never seen. And Noah is faced with a decision, a choice. Do I obey God? Do I believe God? I mean, this is unimaginable. It's inconceivable. I've never seen rain. Never mind enough, enough to create a flood. A flood so great that I would need to build a ship. But we know that Noah did. He did exactly what God had asked him to do. He was obedient to these spiritual instructions. He believed God concerning the destruction that would come. He believed God concerning the rain, the flood, and he built a ship. 
exactly the way God had asked him to do. So Joseph, as a young man, laying in his bed that night as the angel came and brought to him this message, did he reflect on Abel, Enoch, Noah? Or maybe Abraham and Sarah. You know, that, that's not a hard stretch right there. To imagine that, that Joseph laid there and thought to himself, well, what would Abraham and Sarah do? Abraham, the father of our nation, the, the father of our faith. What, what did Abraham do? God had come to Abraham and told him, I need you to gather your family up. And I want you to go to a land you have never seen. And I'm going to give that land to you. And you that have no children, I'm one day going to make your descendants as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. Now, by the time this is transpiring, he's an old, old man. 90 years old. 90 years old. And Sarah is close behind. Long past, the Bible says, long past childbearing age. So God asks Abraham to step out and do something that is unimaginable based upon a miracle that is inconceivable. Think of the average 90-year-old you can think of and begin to imagine them having a baby. Now me, I, not only is it having a baby would be a challenge enough, that's a miracle, but at 90 to raise one would be, I mean, that, that's a young person's game, isn't it? If you as a grandparent have ever watched the grandkids, you know this is, this is not for the long and tooth. This is for young people. Well, what's Abraham going to do? Joseph knows Abraham gets up. He gathers together. And he goes. What is Sarah going to do? Well, she snickers a little at the very thought of her having a child. But God does provide. And Sarah believes. You see, Joseph that day chose to obey. What made him decide to obey was the fact that he was a just man, a righteous man. He was somebody that within his heart, his faith was more than a philosophy, a concept, an idea. His faith was genuine and real and practical. So for God to ask him to take Mary to be his wife, to believe that Jesus was conceived of a miracle of the Holy Ghost, for him it was simple, I believe God. And God can do anything. If God could give Sarah Isaac, he could give Mary Jesus. If God could lead Abraham, he can lead Joseph. If Enoch could walk with God, Joseph could. 
If Noah could believe the unbelievable and inconceivable, why couldn't a simple shepherd like Joseph, not a shepherd, a carpenter, next week's the shepherd. <laughs> you see, each and every one of these great examples that come out of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, all of these things that Joseph would have known were drilled into him, but it was more than a head knowledge. It was real. You and I, as we come to the year 2023 and this Christmas season, and we reflect back on Mary and Joseph and Jesus, I ask you, how practical and real is your faith? Is it just a Christmas story to you? Is it just a tale, a, a, a ceramic We've got a manger scene down here, a ceramic manger scene. Is it just tradition? Is it, is it just a holiday? Or is your faith as genuine and real as Abel's, Enoch's, Noah's, Abraham, Sarah, Mary, Joseph? When you think about God, do you believe he's the God of miracles? You and I in this year, at this time, we're faced with the exact same choices, just different circumstances. You're faced with believing God. Did Jesus really come and die? Get buried and resurrect? Ascend up to be with the Father in heaven and there he sits at the right hand interceding for you and I. Did he really shed his blood for your sins and my sins that we might go ahead and trust in that offering and sacrifice just as Abel trusted as his mom and dad and as God had instructed? You and I today, are we willing to obey God? Obey him in receiving Christ as our Savior? Obey him in being a righteous, just believer. One who obeys him when he whispers in our heart and speaks to us in the moving of the Holy Spirit. Are we also as genuine and real in our faith as Joseph? As Mary? As Noah and Sarah and Abraham and Enoch and Abel? All of these individuals who are so famous for their faith. God doesn't ask you to be them. But he asks you to follow their example. And this morning, as we come to the end of the message, the end of the service. I really want you to personalize it. There's nothing more personal than the Mary and Joseph account. Many years ago, I had a young woman who came to me and she came to see me in my office and she said, Pastor, I have a problem I need you to help me with. And I said, well, what's your problem? Let me see if I can help. She said, well, my boyfriend got me pregnant and I have to tell my dad. And I said, and how can I help? <laughs> she said, I'd like you to come to the house and I'm going to tell him 
and I want you to be there. Not one of the things they train you in college for. Not one of the things you pray and ask the Lord to help you get involved in. And so I said, sure, I will be glad to do that. And we had prayer and we went. But let me tell you something. There is nothing more private and personal than those kind of life experiences. And so dealing with her, the boyfriend, the parents, that was a traumatic thing that left an impression on my mind for life and certainly for them. God has taken us and brought us into the most personal, private event of Mary, Joseph. All that transpired of her being found with child outside of wedlock. The fears, the considerations, the discussions, and the obedience. While we may and certainly could never fully comprehend all that transpired. We learn that they did what God asked them to do. My challenge to you this morning, are you willing to do what God wants you to do? He's called you to salvation and put your faith and trust in Christ. He's called you to follow him in baptism that you might honor his sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He's called you to worship. He's called you to walk with God, even as Enoch. He's called you to be obedient in the small and large things of life. He has simply asked us to be real about our faith. Father in heaven, as we get ready to be dismissed and go forth into our community, I pray that you would help us. Help us to reflect on those who have faithfully obeyed, that we too may follow that way. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the chorus of Shine, Jesus, Shine. Shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word. Lord, and let there be light. Uh, We are dismissed at this point.